Welcome to another episode of the Seafood News Podcast. I'm Erner Berry Marketing Assistant Nicole Christie, here with my coworker, Seafood News Staff Writer Amanda Buckle. Happy Monday, everyone, and thanks for listening. So this week's episode is brought to you by Erner Berry's Comtel. Comtel specializes in the timely, accurate, and unbiased reporting of the markets to clients in the poultry, egg, meat, seafood, and related segments of the food industry. You can be sure to download the brand new Comtel app on the App Store for iOS and Google Play for Android. That's right, Nicole. And for Ernerberry customers who will be at the Seafood Expo Global Show in Brussels this week, be sure to visit the Ernerberry booth, number 6-842. Uh, UB Market reporters Jim Kenny and Angel Rubio will be on hand to provide demos during the show, which runs from April 24th to the 26th. I know I'm very jealous that they're going. Same. I've actually never been, but from what I hear, uh, Seafood Expo Global is three times the size of the Seafood Expo North America show in Boston. Yes, and from what I see on the Weather Channel, not as cold. Uh-huh, no <laughs> so, snow. <laughs> no, Brussels is supposed to be in the lowest 60s this week, so yeah, I don't think any of the attendees will have to worry about getting interrupted, you know, interrupted by the massive snowstorm that attacked us, basically, in Boston <laughs> this year. But uh, let's kick things off with our top stories this week. Nicole, what are we going to be discussing today? So, a survivor of the Alaska Ranger changes his story, seafood volume sales, and the 2018 scallop plan. Plus, we've got a follow-up on the Beat Bobby Flay story from last week. Uh, for those of you who missed last week's podcast, or just forgot, uh, Supreme <laughs> Crab and Seafood's executive chef, Mark Lobner, was able to challenge celebrity chef Bobby Flay to make a crab cake sandwich. Now, Mark Lovener didn't win, but I got a chance to talk to him about his experience competing on the Food Network show, and he even broke down some of the behind-the-scenes details for me. Yeah, so let's actually start things off with the clip. Let's take a listen. Years ago, I was on Good Morning America, made the same, made the same crab cake, I don't even know how many years ago. Um, and, and so I was sticking to my guns, and it's still a great crab cake. I mean, even the chefs, or I'm sorry, the judges were like, wow, this is, you know, delicate and dang and nice. And, and I, I was thinking, man, I got it. And then I knew, I kind of looked at his crab cake and how big it was relative to the bun. And I'm like, oh, man, I should have trimmed the bread. I should have trimmed it more. I already cut off the top and bottom because I didn't because I wanted it thin. And I should have found a glass or a cookie cutter or a tin can or something and, and you know, punched, you know, like rounds of bread that fit the crab cake better. And I think if I'd have done that, I'd, I'd have had him. Yeah. Uh, or again, made the crab cake, you know, the half pounder that he, that he kind of did. Um, but yeah, I, you know, no, I think, I think, I don't, it's funny, all my friends in Maryland have told me, they're like, no, it was rigged, it was this, it was this. Who puts, you know, peppers in, because in Maryland, everybody's kind of a purist. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, did you guys see how I made mine? Like, you know I didn't make a Maryland-style crab cake, right? Like, you're busting on Bobby for putting, you know, peppers and, and, and pickled slaw and, and bacon and all this stuff. And I sure, I'm like, are you sure you're just not saying this because we're friends or, you know? And they're like, no, no, you're, even though yours didn't have Old Bay and blah, blah, you know, that's still, that's a crab cake, you know? His, and people were saying, like, you know, some mean stuff. And I'm like, no, you guys, I said, I lost, in my opinion, because my bread, and it's funny because the judges even said the same thing. After the show was done being taped, and there's, you know, there it's off, you know, off the air, off, off the record, whatever you want to say. Two of the judges told me they're like, dude, your crab cake was like phenomenal. Like, 
Yeah, yeah that's great. Straight up. And they told me if it, was, if it was just a crab cake contest, which they had already done that in the past. They said if it was just about the crab cake, we liked yours better. But because it's the entirety of the plate, and again, Bobby's smart. It was a crab cake sandwich competition because anything you put on the plate could either add or detract from your final score, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Right? And I went out on a, you know, I went out there and I was like, you know what? This is what I like. This is what I would serve. This is how I would serve it. Uh, thanks again, Mark, for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, maybe we'll see him on a future episode of Chapter or something. Um, I know, you know, like, uh, in order to challenge Bobby Flay last week, he had to compete against, um, another chef to create a dish using cucumber so i think it'd be pretty crazy if you could like come up with some sort of like you know challenge during chop that's like a sea cucumber and cotton candy and like a half-eaten tuna sandwich no all of that we all of those together you are know, like, separate no in chop they throw you like three things in a basket oh my those are the worst three <laughs> things that you can throw together first of all i don't even like cotton candy you're, yeah. Which is nuts, but in a half-eaten, half-eaten tuna sandwich. I'm just saying that if you could p compete against Bobby Flay, I would love to see him on Chopped. <laughs> I, I mean, that's a challenge, and hopefully he could take that on. I'm, I'm not the one in charge of the Chopped, uh, chopped baskets, and I guess for good reason. I, I'm glad you're not because my stomach's <laughs> getting a little upset. So now we're gonna we're gonna take a step back from that, and we're gonna talk about the 2008 sinking of the Alaska Ranger. The sinking of the vessel is back in the news after a survivor changed his side of the story almost a decade later. Yeah, so this is a really crazy story. Um, Rodney Lundy is a survivor of the Alaska Ranger, and he was an assistant engineer on the vessel when it sank on March 23rd in 2008. Uh, in 2008. Now, for those who are not familiar with the story, the Alaska Ranger went down in 6,000 feet of water, killing five of the 47 crew members aboard. Uh, following the sinking, Lundy testified twice under oath before the Coast Guard and National Transportation Safety Board. Now he's saying that he needs to correct his account of what happened, you know, 10 years after the fact. So Lundy spoke with the Seattle Times and says now that a stacked bundle of netting around one of the two air vents made it impossible to close a starboard vent that would have kept the engine room dry and the vessel afloat. And Lundy said that he saw the hazard, uh, but that the fishmaster, who was the leader of a group of Japanese crew members aboard the vessel, refused to move the gear. Now, Lundy says the two, that two officials from the fishing company Alaska told him to keep quiet about the issue regarding the vent. And Lundy did, you know, until recently. And in his new account, he says that he had, uh, been, had he like been able to properly close the vent, the engine room never would have flooded and the vessel may not have sank. Or, you know, the closing of the vent would have at least, you know, bought them some more time. Now, the fishmaster that supposedly refused to uh, move the gear was one of the fishermen who perished when the vessel sank. So it's difficult to tell, you know, if Lundy is, you know, really telling the truth now or, you know, what really happened. But um, it's also important to note that Lundy has had some struggles over the years. And um, a Coast Guard investigative uh, report prior to the sinking says that he had been caught sleeping on his watch and that he had violated company rules by drinking aboard the vessel. Um, so mm -hmm. it's it's like a really crazy he said, she, she said, said and story. you'll never know exactly. the outcome. Wow, that's a really crazy story. I know, and I mean, we've talked about this multiple times now on the podcast, but, you know, safety at sea is always important. And, oh, you know, for sure. five men lost their lives, which is really terrible, but, you know, out of the 47, you know, other people, like, there were there were men that were able to get onto, you know, a, a life raft and, and use the proper gear. Um, and I just think it's always something important to, to point out. Yeah, and to be trained to use the proper gear too. Exactly. 
Now, moving on to our next story, seafood volume sales. So despite a boost in sales from Lent, Nielsen reports that seafood volume sales are actually flat. According to the Nielsen report, dollar sales of seafood have increased 3.4% in the 52 weeks ending February 24th, 2018. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that the volume of seafood sold has increased. So volume sales are reportedly down 1.1% over that 52-week span, and Nielsen credits the dollar sales boost to an increase in average retail price. But while volume sales are unimpressive, there is actually a bright spot in fresh... Tongue twister, we always get that fresh fresh seafood. We never say it right. (laughs) In fresh seafood, so shrimp, scallops, and flounder. And continuing to look at the 52 weeks ending February 24th, 2018, dollar sales growth of shrimp increased 5%, while flounder increased 12.3% and scallops increased 15%. Looking at the volume sales growth during that period, shrimp jumped 3.2%, flounder increased 9.6%, and scallops increased 15.4%. Now, there is something that retailers can do to increase the volume of seafood sales. Um, So while Nielsen Research found that nearly 20% of U.S. consumers want to add more fish to their diets, many struggle with how to cook or prepare their seafood products. Another thing that we've talked about pretty frequently in this podcast. Almost every podcast. (laughs) Because it's a big issue, you know? But uh, so so like I said, like one way to aid shoppers is to educate them on the proper way to prepare a specific species. Um, Another route is to offer more prepared foods or meal kits. And, you know, more companies are expanding their offerings by providing consumers with easy cook meals. I mean, just look like last month, Slade Gorton launched their fish and chips meal, um, their meal kit, which comes with a five ounce uh, piece of fresh MSC certified Icelandic cod portions that are lightly coated with toasted crumbs, and they come with fresh crinkle cut sweet potato french fries. And then, you know, take a look at like home meal delivery kits like Blue Apron. You know, they're planning to start selling their prepared dinners in stores later this year. So these options could give consumers the confidence to start buying and cooking fresh seafood on their own and ultimately, you know, boost, you know, the volume sales. Yeah. I didn't know that Blue Apron was going to start selling in brick and mortar. Yeah. That's that's it's, pretty... It's happening by the end of 2018. Wow. That's convenient. I yeah. probably will start using those. I know. Because I was actually looking... I wasn't looking at Blue Apron, but I was looking at HelloFresh mm-hmm. and I just like... I want to just get one box and try it out and that's not an option. So, But right. that has to be if it's in like a supermarket. In the store. Because it's a recurring delivery, right? If you do the online yeah. service. And they give you like, you know, three to try for free and like, I don't... I'm not trying to get one... For, I just want to try one box and see if it's like a fit for me. Yeah. You know, and... Yeah. And that's, like, not an option right now. And I'm sure, like, I just looked at HelloFresh. I'm sure there's probably an option that out there that is. But, you know, I don't I don't know if I'm, I'm – sometimes I get lazy. I don't even know if this prepared meal kit that they're sending what? to my door what is going to send. What else could you do? Take out. Take out. I cook probably, like, a cheese quesadilla at least, like, twice a night. <laughs> twice a night. Like twice, a... twice a week. Twice a night. Woo. Twice a night. I am jealous. Quesadillas are good. <laughs> All right. Well, on to our final story of the day. NOAA Fisheries and NMFS have approved measures included in Framework Adjustment 29 to the Atlantic Sea Scallop Fishery Management Plan. So the final rule was published in the Federal Register on Thursday, and it sets an annual catch limit of 60 million pounds of scallops for the 2018 fishing year. Um, In comparison, the 2017 fishing year was set at 51.7 million pounds, so it's a bit higher this year. 
Yeah, and Framework 29 sets, a man- uh, sets management measures for the Atlantic Sea Scout Fishery for the remainder of the 2018 fishing year, and that runs from April 19, 2018 to March 21, 2019. Uh, Northern Gulf of Maine management-, management measures in Framework 29 were previously published on March 26, and were set to prevent overfishing and improve the yield per recruit of overall management of the Atlantic Sea Scallop resource in Northern Gulf of Maine. Um, and those measures went into effect on April 1st of 2018. Um, so the framework adjustment 29 to the Atlantic Sea Scallop Fishery Management Plan is in addition to this March 26th final rule. Yep. And that wraps up the Seafood News Podcast this week. Thanks for tuning in, guys, as always. And don't forget to say hi to our Interberry coworkers in Brussels if you're heading to Seafood Expo Global. Safe travels, and talk to you next week. Bye.